Listening Dog Media. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next? Last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. The Offside Rule. We get it. Brought to you by a Wolves fan, a Manchester United fan, and a Liverpool fan. Hello and thank you for listening to the Offside Rule for a third season. We'll get straight into topics and into episode one. I'm joined, Lindsay Hooper, by Hayley McQueen. Hi, everyone. And Kate Borsay. Yes, it's the usual three. Actually, there's four of us here today. Isn't there, Kate? (laughs) There might be someone very young smuggled in the depths of my tummy somewhere. (laughs) Oh, congratulations, by the way. So we have a new Offside Ruler. We do. It's a boy. It's going to be born into the offside rule fold, so perhaps he'll be giving us weekly updates from uh, as soon as he can speak. (laughs) We're going to call him Poddington. (laughs) Uh, This is what we've got coming up, as well as baby news. Uh, We have, were you one of the people that got excited and cheered and whooped watching Match of the Day or at a football match this weekend when you saw the vanishing spray come out? Kind of. However, I have done features on it on Sky Sports News, and it has been in the studio. It caused a right old mess when I gave it a go on the carpet. (laughs) didn't come off that easily like grass. It disappeared, but still left a sticky line on the floor. Is it anything like shaving foam? I think it is, yeah, but it's it's a lot lighter and thinner, almost like a hair mousse as opposed to a shaving foam. (laughs) I'm just making an observation, but I don't think many of the referees will need it for that purpose. Yeah. (laughs) No, that's true. Half of them are bald through stress anyway. (laughs) I know. Um, So talking about the vanishing spray this weekend, that was one of the things that made its debut, wasn't it? Um, I've asked both of you to choose a moment from a debutante or a, or a debut thing, a good and a bad thing. Uh, we'll get on to that later. Pitch invaders are the lost art. Uh, quite a few pitch invasions over the, over the weekend, so I thought we'd pick out the best ones. And Fantasy League, we're going to talk for topic number three, Fantasy Dud, a player that you may have selected that actually won't be any good this season. <laughs> Uh, we have got Twitter Topic of the Week coming up. Uh, Lord James, uh, League on Roundup. And we'll also remind you about lots of other things that are going on in the world of the offside rule because we're growing and we're getting bigger and better. Did you know, girls? <laughs> that, that's not my quote. That's what someone else said to me. Hi, I'm Matt Letissier and you're listening to the Offside Rule. Three girls talking about football. 
so we know that about the vanishing spray making its first appearance. I'm sure, by the way, everyone's going to get bored of cheering that after a while. Um, but there were also new players, managers and clubs on show as well. So choose one moment from a debutante, why it was one to remember for this season. So that could be a good reason. And I want another bad. Would you like, it's your call, Hayley, to go for good or bad first? I want to go for bad first. OK, in that case, we'll start with Kate. <laughs> Clearly, that wasn't what Lindsay had planned. Um, Good for me, first of all. Not a moment, but a performance to base some of your season on. I'm talking about Leicester debutantes in the Premier League. Everyone had them ripe for relegation before they'd even kicked a ball. And I think it's lovely that Nigel Pearson's side has uh, stuck a couple of small digits up to some of those doubters and given a very, very good account of themselves. I know everyone talks about kind of a team with a lot of spirit and how spirit is so important to kind of stay in the league. And I, I think that's slightly condescending. You do need a little more than spirit. But jokes aside, cliches aside, they did come into that game and approach that game with a lot of spirit. They fought and fought and they came from behind twice. That's really key for me because not only did they get a draw out of it, they also fought back twice. I started my career out in the East Midlands, so I know Nigel Pearson from from those days of covering Leicester City. And I have to say... um off the pitch, he's a really, really nice guy anyway. Um, quite smiley, believe it or not. But on the pitch and when he does interviews, I always think, always think he looks quite stern and quite, you know, like he's not going to crack a smile. But on Match of the Day, could you see every time they looked and turned away to Nigel Pearson, he was ecstatic. I think, I think he thought that was the best start possible. Yeah. And it was. It was brilliant. Unlike Sanchez at <laughs> Arsenal. I thought he was average. I was expecting more. I was expecting him to set the Premier League alight. Now, I'm just going to say you've got to give people time. I remember, of course, as a Manchester United fan, Patrice Evra starting for United and having a woeful start to his career. David De Gea as well. And look how amazingly they've gone on to be. Uh, Patrice Evra as a steady left back. My opinion, better than Ashley Cole, but probably isn't. But I just like to think he is because he's Manchester United. And um, David De Gea doing great things as well. But I just think Sanchez, I don't know. He just didn't quite live up to it uh, for me. I have to say, I don't know if Kate would agree with me, but the Community Shield, he was very impressive. But I didn't see that. (laughs) Fair enough. Go on then. Um, But really poor opening game. I think he looked frustrated, didn't gel. Yes, he had the Community Shield game, which, of course, meant that off the back of a World Cup, he was probably very tired. And I think that actually showed. And you do have to give players time to gel in. I thought Arsenal were actually very lucky to get all three points. I have fairly high hopes for Arsenal this season. If they do do more business, then I definitely will stick with the high hopes. If they don't do any more business, then I think they could be uh, in trouble. Worth mentioning as well, if you go to our website, offsiderallpodcast.com, Mark Young has done an article and we've all made predictions. Two articles. Two articles, yeah. So part one and part two, all of our predictions for the entire season. I'd like to put a caveat <laughs> that we did that before lots of things happened, like Tony Pulis left Crystal Palace, um, because I think I, I, I tipped them for dizzying heights of about eight. And I, don't, and I now I want to put a one on the front. <laughs> <laughs> that is harsh. I oh, know. Um, anyway, um, I want to do mine. It's not a player. In fact, something that happened in the Premier League that I believe has never, ever happened before. Is this good or bad? It's bad. Bad. It's my bad one. My turn. I'm pretty sure if if it has happened before, it's certainly never been caught on camera before. I've got to be careful when I talk about this because when I talk about it, I actually want to gag. I really want to gag. Did anyone see the video footage of Ashley Young, a bird pooing in his mouth? Yes, yes. That happened for the first time, didn't it? That was bad. That was really bad, and it's made me feel really ill and grim. 
It was just the way that it collected. Oh. Don't, honestly, please. In the bit between oh. his bottom no. lip and his teeth. Just it, it, and, and the speed in which the bird pooed. It, it was like a missile. Anyway, can we just leave that? That was my bad moment. Uh, we'll go on to good. Uh, Hayley to start this one. I've just got a whole team, and it's kind of not really a debut, but Swansea, I wasn't expecting them to do well, OK? And they came out the blocks with many players really performing well. Ashley Williams back to his best there. Um, you've got Fabianski, who looked really at home and goal. We're all worried about Michelle Vorm losing, uh, leaving, of course. Keeson Young, Sigurdsson, I think everything kind of really came together for them, and that first game will give them a real boost and really help Gary Monk keep hold of key players as well, because I think after a couple of games in August, if things aren't looking good, you're going to want to jump ship and leave the club. But they have had some key players leaving. Um, uh, this summer, really good players. Meet you. Didn't expect that. As I've mentioned, Vaughan, Ben Davis as well to Spurs. I think I hadn't tipped them to be in a relegation scrap, but I wasn't expecting them to do very well at all. But I think signs that are really good in football at the moment, giving managers time, young managers time. And it's worked. You look at Gary Monk, you look at Carl Robinson and Eddie Howe because they've been given time and they still manage to have the respect, even though they actually played alongside some of the players that they're now managing. It has actually worked. They've never won in the Premier League at Old Trafford. So I think that was a, a massive, massive um, key for them to start off the season not only brilliantly with three points but against Manchester United and away from home um, I was just really impressed with them and I think if they go on and continue and take the confidence from that they'll have a really good start and I see them right up there at the top they've got Burnley at home West Brom at home as well with Rotherham in the cup sandwiched in between there but we'll just forget them if they can get a couple of good games and some positivity I think it could be a really exciting season for Swansea and I didn't have that before this weekend I tell you who's going to be exciting this season my choice Cesc Fabregas that goal that he created for Andre Schurler that that it was like a half folly um, where he just played the ball in perfect inch precise it was just a work of art it was a technical work of art wasn't it it was brilliant brilliant and uh, he had a, he was had involvement in every single one of their goals i think he's going to be a linchpin to the chelsea side um everything's going to flow through him and Mourinho's already come out and, and sort of said how much he, he rates him and that Barcelona didn't play him to, the, to their full effect. So I think Fabregas, this could be a real season of stamping his authority back on the Premier League and what a way to start. So he was my good big tick. You've heard my good already. And by the way, Diego Costa, also a big tick for Chelsea. Certainly their debutants much better than Arsenal's on that uh, opening game of the season. I'm going to give you my bad now, OK? My bad. Um... Are you back in Brazil again at Michael Jackson Square? <laughs> um, I would like to raise the issue, the design issue that I have with Newcastle United's kit. The away kit's bad. That's grey. The home kit, double bad. It features what can only look like, and because it's quite a tight kit, it looks like some kind of Moulin Rouge Basque when it's on the players. It looks really, really weird. To me, it looks like Batman in jail. Because of black and white stripes and this little back cape going down to Wonga. What, Lindsay's looking puzzled. I'm not so bothered. It, oh, do, it doesn't, it doesn't, I know that these things get right under your skin, but it, it doesn't sort of bother me. I know that you, you can put that picture as close <laughs> to my face as you like. I can still see it. Jack Cole back there. I can see what you mean. But I've seen worse. In fact, I think some of the goalkeeping attire is worse. It's too bright. 
Lindsay needs a pair of shades to go and watch football. But it's just the way, okay, that the more muscly players with with defined pecs, the kind of tops of their pecs peek over the sweetheart netline a bit like cleavage. Yeah, I can see what you mean. Have a look next time you watch Newcastle in their home kit, folks. It just doesn't work. The Offside Rule. We get it. With Lindsay Hooper, Hayley McQueen and Kate Borsay. On to topic two, and that's Pitch Invaders are the lost art. Um, so I was reporting from Upton Park at the weekend for West Ham against Spurs, and you may have heard about the Pitch Invader that ran on, took a free kick, actually was better than Eric Lamella's, <laughs> I have to point out. Um, he then got escorted off, gave Sam Allardyce some abuse on the way out down the touchline, uh, made us think about, and casting your mind back over the years if you want to, uh, most famous pitch invasions and the ones that have really made you laugh. I know we've had cats that have gone on the pitch before, mm-hmm. things like that have happened, but your absolute favourite, starting with Hayley. Mine is the Russian comedian who performed in the recent World Cup final. <laughs> Yeah, that is right. Vitaly Zodorovetsky. He was in the World Cup final. He ran onto the pitch. He had a bare chest with a natural-born prankster written across it. He went up to Germany's uh, um, Benedict Howardays as well and gave him a big, fat kiss. I just think there have been famous ones down the years, but a World Cup final, it doesn't get bigger and better than that. He was actually fined $100 um, and he went, he, he was arrested as well, out on bail, $100. OK, he has over 6 million subscribers now to his YouTube <laughs> channel. That $100 has gone a long, long way. Yes, he's a prankster. 644 million views. He gained 80,000 more Twitter followers in 10 minutes wow. after the incident. Everybody knew who he was. So the Russian who made his way to a World Cup final. There you have it. There have been loads of incidents, haven't there, of pitch invasions. My mind was drawn to the poor uh, Ashley Vickers, uh, is who it was. Uh, He was player manager at Doncaster, and he had to kind of wrestle this fan who'd come onto the pitch in like a Borat Mankini-style awful thing, and it was pretty ill-fitting as well. So he came close to revealing... I suppose streakers reveal everything anyway, don't they? I don't want to give any streakers or any pitch invaders any ideas, but they've actually come out with worse than the Mankini now. Have you seen those? Oh, yes, I have. Those are the little little um, sort of crop things, aren't they? <laughs> yeah, there wouldn't be much wrestling needed to, no. to get oh. them to the floor. They're sort of a sideways design. Yeah. The worst thing about that particular story was that um, Vickers got a red card for tackling oh. the streaker. Um, then, of course, there, there is the Anfield cat. There's the beach ball that's obviously affected Liverpool over the years. Carl Power, who I know Hayley mentioned about 50,000 years ago on this podcast, the guy who managed to get his photo taken with the Manchester United team as they're about to play Bayern Munich in 2001. I, I love a good pitch invasion, I really do. I feel like mine's a bit of a cop-out because it's very recent. In fact, it only happened this weekend as well, but it happened in Spain. Uh, would I say it's my favourite? Maybe it is a little bit of a cop-out because it might not be the top of my tree. However, I like effort and yeah. I reward effort. Yeah. Um, and, and looking at the pitch invader that I saw with my very own eyes at Upton Park, it was just an opportune moment. Whereas the one that happened in Spain was well thought out. Um, because to actually dress up as the person that you want to go and run up towards, it, it takes a lot of pre-thought and... and, and Ronaldo, what did you think? Did you see this? Yeah. So he was dressed like Ronaldo, stormed the pitch. Do you think that that outfit was good? I thought it was pretty impressive. 
I love the way he didn't just storm the pitch. He kind of interloped on to defend... In a Ronaldo-like manner. Yeah, yeah, to defend a corner. So I, I just thought that, that the way he did it, trying to defend that uh, Fiorentina corner, he came on with his full Real Madrid cap. I thought the way he did it, just sort of slid, sidled onto the pitch, acted as if nothing was wrong. And, of course, if you'd have been a Real Madrid player and you'd have taken a second look at the two Ronaldos on the pitch, you must have thought, what's going on? I wonder if he'll get a job now as a looky-likey. <gasps> He wasn't that alike, though, was he? That that was the problem. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But uh, you could just wear a mask, still do the job. But that's why I'm going with that one, because it's the effort. It's the effort involved. Uh, and I think I might even go as fancy dress. If I go fancy dress this year, the only person that really invites me to a fancy dress party tends to be someone like Kate. So no, if you ha- no, no, I hate fancy dress parties. <laughs> I can't bear them. I'm sure you've invited me one to one before. <laughs> but anyway, uh, if I get invited to one, I want to go as Ronaldo, and I want to do a slightly better job. But um, I, I, thought, I thought that was really good. Twitter topic of the week. Sean Thorne is away this week. Um, is he on holiday? He's in Ibiza. Oh, living it up, living it up. Uh, so we are going to conduct Twitter Topic of the Week. OK, well, we wanted your opening day world is. So really, really good opening day goals, goals throughout the years. This was inspired by Steph Horton, who tweeted, What a strike from Lee Catamol. He won't score a better one than that. It was a very good goal. It was Was a very good goal. So six winners today. Tweets that we've selected, ladies, will receive a copy of Liz Head's book, which is called From Bobby Moore to Thierry Henry, a girl's own story. And it basically charts her life living through the World Cup. So it starts off um, back in 1970 when she fell in love with Bobby Moore at the World Cup and goes through each of the World Cups since. It sounds fascinating. We've got six copies to give away. So thanks very much to Liz and her publisher for that. We'll send you the books, folks. Uh, Now the winners... And their tweets. Uh, Hayley, let's start with you. Um, I know that you wanted to mention, and I completely endorse this as well, um, from Gary Parker. From Gary Parker. At Asu Okoto, he's even atted him against (laughs) Liverpool. Yes, for Spurs a few years ago. His first for Spurs and a proper screamer. That was a good one. And thank you very much to... Darren Rutland on Twitter, who said Jamie Proctor for Crawley last season. First goal of the game. Hashtag opening day worldies. There is a link on YouTube. I haven't actually seen this, so I will be clicking on this link and having a watch of that because I'm pretty sure I wouldn't have seen it. But Jamie Proctor, there you go. I like any tweet that has an emoji in it. I love them. Um, so I've gone for... Are you about 14? <laughs> yes, I am. Um, as you know. Um, Emma Morris, I've gone for her. She's at EC underscore Morris. And she said Robbie Fowler from the uh, 2004-05 season against Fulham. Uh, she also gives in a second one, which I like oh. the initiative in 140 characters to get two in. Um, Aguero, um, that was in 2011-12 uh, against Swansea. The first two that come to mind, and she said they're both excellent, and the emoji is a thumb up and I use that one a lot. Um, I'm also going to go for another one, aren't I, uh, as Kate points out. Um, Dion Farns, uh, thank you for getting in touch. Gus Poyer's beautiful volley from a sublime pass back in 1999. Someone else has given us a link to the video. I actually remember that. Maybe he was showing that video in that link that you can all watch on our at Offside Rule Pod Twitter feed mm. to Lee Catamol, and that's why he did so well. There you go. Uh, two more. Andrew Larkin, thanks for uh, dropping us a tweet. Very good Twitter handle, at Clopsbeard. Uh, so he thinks the best goal of this weekend, and he's called it an opening day world. He was from Aidan McGinney. Of course, his first goal for Everton in the Premier League. So that's who Andrew's 
um, awarded his to, and we've given him a book for that. And then last one, Six Music Chris, hello to you, says, Brentford Shea Logan at Port Vale will take some beating, especially from a defender. He's given us a link for that. And um, I think Shea Logan now plays for Aberdeen, if I'm not mistaken. So some really good winners there. Uh, so thanks very much to everyone who entered our Twitter Top of the Week and to those six winners. You'll get your books very soon. Thanks. Twitter Topic of the Week. On to our final topic, topic number three, Fantasy Dud. Um, Kate Borsay can get a whole load of tips and advice here of who to avoid because she needs to sign up. But myself and Hayley, we might have already made a mistake when it comes to Fantasy League. Uh, so Fantasy Football's up and running again. I know it gets distracting. Some of you will be listening to this thinking, I hate doing Fantasy League because then I'm cheering for people I don't ordinarily like to get an assist or a goal. I understand we're choosing one player each that you think that people might have chosen for their Fantasy League team, but who will amount to nothing more than becoming a fantasy dud. They're not going to get you many points. Uh, You're going to stick with them. You're going to think, I'll be there through thick and thin. And then, I don't know, about six weeks from the end of the season, you'll play that wild card and you'll get rid of them. So, uh, who are you going for? Well, when anyone's picking a fantasy football team, if you go back through the ages, you'd probably want someone like Pele in there, but not Graziano Pele, apparently. We think he's going to be a dud. I say we... This was kind of discussed with an ex-player, now a pundit, who was doing a bit of work at Sky over the weekend. I won't tell you who he is because he could be getting into trouble and he might want to say it on camera, but he doesn't think he's going to be very good for Southampton. I think he loves himself more than he loves football. And I think we might be seeing him on the front pages of newspapers as opposed to the back pages. That's all I'm saying. He cost €6 million Euros when Van Gaal brought him to the Netherlands. Um, seven years later, Koeman has spent €8 million to enlist his services at Southampton, who are in trouble because they've got no one playing for them. He's in his 30th year, so he's he's not a young striker. You could even say he's past it. I wouldn't mind seeing him prove everyone wrong. And I, I think it's a real shame that Southampton have lost so many great players and, and, and they are actually making sure that they have got you know, somebody to lead the line, but I think maybe a little bit too much on his shoulders. So you think everyone's been lured in by the word Pele <laughs> for Southampton, gone in, put him in their team, and you're saying, yes. nah, no. Because the thing is, you look at his stats, this is the problem. You look at his stats in the era Divisi, 55 goals in 66 matches. Those are some stats, yeah. but that is the era Divisi, which I know is a great league. I've been watching it a little bit over the weekend as well on Sky, but Premier League is just a completely, completely different league. It's the best in the world. As we know, Liverpool, stronger side, playing up against Southampton. Pele didn't really have much space to find the ball. I think Tadic looked a better prospect than him. And I think he could be a player that if you're Southampton, you want to put in one of your key strikers, the guy that's going to be getting you lots of goals. I'm just a little bit unsure. See, my tip would be when you're doing Fantasy League... Don't do your team too early. Leave it till you're the 11th hour because the transfer window is still open. Lots of things going on. And managers start to indicate what they're going to do with their teams because a lot of people who registered early got a bit carried away, a bit excited, missed the football. I reckon they put this person in their team. Petr Cech, because why wouldn't you at Chelsea? In goal, you've put him in, you've spent quite a lot of money on him. He's not a cheap keeper, is he? And then Mourinho's gone and put Courtois in Mm. and it looks like he's going to be the chosen number one so it could be a real waste of some millions in your fantasy league whichever one you do and by having petter check i think you might need to sub him out uh i think he might be on his way by the end of the transfer window and yeah i just i just think that he will be the waste of money for a lot of people and if he does stay at chelsea even more so because he might make an appearance every now and again Mm. but it will be courtois that gets most of the points 
I wouldn't go for either of the Chelsea keepers until they decide who they're going to use, in my mind, really. And Czech may well stay until the end of the season, but then you're just splitting the points, aren't you? But it's hard to not go for them when they're two of the best keepers in the world, isn't it? It's like you want to have someone as good as that in your team. Plenty of good keepers. Um, I had a quick look on the Telegraph's fantasy football um, site as I'm shopping around for who I go with. And their three most selected players are Aaron Ramsey, he's number one, Wayne Rooney at number two, and Daniel Sturridge at number three. Now, I'm going to say I'm going to send out warning signals for both their second and third most selected players. Wayne Rooney, why wouldn't you want to choose him? At the beginning of the season, everyone always gets excited, just like they do at the beginning of a World Cup or a big tournament, about Wayne Rooney and how he's going to achieve and how this is going to be his tournament, this is going to be his year. What we forget is that he's got a new manager. Van Gaal needs to work out where to play Rooney. Rooney needs to work out where he plays best and needs to adjust his style of play accordingly. I wouldn't put him in my fantasy football team at his price until that team settles down. Sturridge, I think this is quite awful of me to say, but I'm going to say it anyway. He's due an injury. We know he's had niggles before. And also we forget that Liverpool are going to bring in another striker before the end of the window. If they don't, I'll be very surprised. Sturridge isn't an out-and-out striker. So if you're looking for him for a goal a game, a bit like last season, this season's going to be completely different. The team's going to have to set itself up differently. So I wouldn't go personally for either Rooney or Sturridge. But right now, a lot of people will be shaking their heads in disbelief at you because both of, they, both of those players would have scored people points on this opening weekend. And I would probably disagree. I think Wayne Rooney is going to have a good season on fantasy points, actually. Everyone always says that, and it does my head in because Van Hal doesn't know how he's going to set that team up yet. Wayne Rooney is always going to have a good season, isn't he? He's always meant to be, this is his time, this is his season, and he never, ever meets that expectation. Not for me. Maybe, okay, a couple of seasons ago, maybe. He never does too bad on fantasy league points, though. He never does too bad, but for his price, but for his value, I just think that you're better better off going elsewhere. Okay. Provided the most assists, I think, for Van Persie that in the last season. And you have to look at it as well. There's no Champions League football for Manchester United. So he's not going to be tired. He's not going to have to travel. He's going to be up for it every Premier League weekend. I kind of do agree with you a little bit because why would you pick Wayne Rooney? Because everybody else is going to have Wayne Rooney. So you want to go and pick somebody else who might be a little bit of a surprise, one of those dark horses. I mean, a goal scorer like Lee Catamull. <laughs> Joke. Could be in trouble. I think you'd be seeing more red than goals. And McGregor got the most in goal. The most points in yes, goal this weekend. Really? So how many people? Yeah, how many people would have put that him in? Um, and now we're quickly going to throw over to Laura James. It's our very first check-in with her of the season. League uh, got underway a, a little while ago, actually. So there's a couple of games to update us on. And this is Law. Ligue 1 has kicked off again, but qualifying for Europe as well as a strong domestic start are top priorities. Lille have a big task ahead with Porto on Wednesday evening. Porto are straight in at the Champions League playoff stage. In the Europa League, Saint-Étienne travelled to Turkish side Karabükspor. They have a goalkeeper named Boy Waterman, who wears the number 99 shirt, which we all have our own views on. And Liam welcome Romanian Cup winners Astra Giorgio. Both French sides are expected to progress, although if you read most French media outlets, that assumption is based on not really knowing much about the opposition. What we do know a bit about is how to throw our weight around. Kianar Plus have confirmed that Sebastian striker Brandao has been interviewed by police for headbutting Thiago Motta in their game against PSG and breaking his nose. Sebastian boss Claude Makaleli has banned Brandao from returning to training. Marcel Desailly is likely to find himself investigated for tax irregularities. Switzerland have agreed to surrender his bank records to French authorities, which also happened to Makaleli and Patrick Vieira earlier this year. Finally, Swansea City have reportedly made an improved bid for Montpellier's Benjamin Stambouli, according to GFN France. It's closer to the €6 million wanted for him to leave Stade Le Mousson, but he is also on Southampton's radar in the event Schneiderling leaves, and the club have a habit of stalling on moves. 
Thank you very much, Law. So that's episode one done and dusted, folks. Um, we're back up and running, season three. Thank you very much for downloading. Um, Hayley and Kate will both say a nice goodbye whilst also giving a plug to one of these few things I'm pointing to on the paper. <laughs> goodbye, YouTube, the Offside Rule TV. Yeah, you can get some new videos there. We, in fact, went live from Wembley uh, last week to do our season preview. There's a half an hour programme. Go there. Check it out. Yeah, au revoir, everyone. You can go to the Facebook page as well, the Offside Rule. Find us there. Plenty of images and we'll put videos on there and you can get involved in the wall too. There will also be an article a day on there that you can read because we've got lots of new writers who are also on the website, offsiderulepodcast.com, which houses everything together. And you know as well that you can always give us a follow on Twitter at OffsideRulePod. I think that is everything. Thank you very much. We'll be back next week. Bye-bye. The female take on football. 